Today, here's what I want to talk to you about as far as our time in the scriptures goes. There's not a person in here that is perfectly whole. We are all incomplete. You see, God created each of us to be perfect image bearers of himself. Perfect. We looked like him. We thought like him. We worked like him. We rested like him. We were his statues, his representations. Perfect. But one choice to disobey God sent all into array. The first two pages of the Bible, perfect harmony, perfect bliss. But after that, nothing but a downward spiral. And that downward spiral has reached you and me. What once was whole is now broken. Here's what I know this morning. Each person in this room has baggage. You all carried something in with you. Every single one of us did. Each person in here has a heart that has been broken and tormented by sin. Sin you yourself have committed and sin that others have committed against you. Some in here have hurt people they love the most badly. Some have been hurt by people that love them. Some have made disastrous financial decisions that have affected not just them and their families, but others. Some have said hurtful words in here that can never, ever be taken back. Some were emotionally hurt as a child. And some, by the way you parented, emotionally hurt your children when they were children and they still haven't healed. Some are hurt by the death of a loved one. Losing that person in your life was like losing a part of yourself. Some are watching someone they love go through serious health issues. And you hate it. And it grieves you. There isn't, church, a pastoral staff in America that can help you put your lives back together. As good-looking, funny, charismatic as Sid and myself might be, (laughs) we can't do it. We try... We, we really, we don't have a whole lot to offer. The best connection group leader in here, he can't put your life back together. She can't put your life back together. The godliest person you may know in Fellowship Baptist Church or liberal Kansas at large, they cannot pick up the pieces of your broken life and restore it. No matter how bad they might try or how bad you may want them to, it can't happen. Human lives are one of brokenness and pain that seem to be 
without hope. Some of you are feeling hopeless this morning. How do broken people find restoration? That's the question I want to go to work on. One of the main themes in the book of Acts is that even though Jesus is gone physically, he still worked powerfully through the apostles that remained on earth. We pick up that theme here in Acts 3. Look at verse 1. Acts 3 verse 1 says this. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, he was crippled from birth, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. The temple wasn't called Beautiful, the, the gate was. Why'd they lay him there? So he could ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple to, and he asked alms of them. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, told him this. He said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said this. Silver and gold have I none. We're just broke preachers, man. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received Strength And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at which had happened unto him. The first thing we're going to talk about this morning is that Jesus works through his disciples to bring restoration in the lives of people. Peter and John are they're found together. They're going up to the temple at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. For what? The hour of prayer. You see, the Jews would have had three times of hourly prayer. Not necessarily that they had to pray for an hour. They had three times of prayer that they would congregate at the temple or in a synagogue elsewhere. And and, and these times were were fixed times of prayer. It was around 9 a.m., around 12 a.m., and uh, 3 p.m. David says in Psalm 55, which which I believe is probably where they got this, David and and even Daniel, Psalm 55, it, it says that evening, morning, and noon, David would pray and seek God's face. 3 p.m. or the ninth hour is significant as well because it was the time where the people of Israel would go and make their daily sacrifices. So certainly, Peter and John are not going up to the temple to make daily sacrifices because their sacrifice had already been made. 
But they were going up to the temple to pray. Early Jewish Christians and even Christians after the first century still observed these three hours of prayer. Some of them would. And that's what they're doing here. Not all Jewish practice had gone out the window. They were still meeting to pray. But here's what they were really doing. They knew that the foot traffic at the temple would be the heaviest at around 3 p.m. Peter and John, as well as the other 10 disciples, have one mission. They're witnesses. Witnesses of what? The resurrection of Jesus. So here's their logical thinking. Man, is there somewhere we can go in town where the most people possible will be congregated so we can preach to them? Uh, Yeah, I think the temple. Around 3 p.m. They go up to pray and they go up to sacrifice. What a great time for us to meet people there. There's another thing in the story going on. There's another guy who has the exact same thought process. We met him. He's a beggar. He's been lame since birth. He can't walk. From the time he was born until the time now some commentators think he's around 40 years old. He's never been able to walk. And so he has people every single day carry him up to the temple. To a specific place in the temple. Something that's called the beautiful gate. Why? Well, the same reason. See, this guy was smart. Why go sit there all day long and ask people for money? I'll go sit there at 3 p.m. when I know a lot of people will be there. That's when I'll get my money. So I have to sit in the sun all day. I'll just sit for a few hours. And, and in that few hours, I'll get the money I need. Why? Why the temple, though? Here's why. Rabbis would have taught that there were three pillars to Jewish faith. The Torah, worship, and showing kindness. Showing kindness was oftentimes shown in almsgiving. So as people would have been marching to the temple, they would have been more likely to give this man money than any other time of the day or of their week. It was during this time when they were probably feeling the most pious that they would have dropped a few coins in this guy's cup or bucket or just on the ground next to him. What happens in this story is nothing short of miraculous, supernatural, and amazing. You see, Jesus' ministry and Jesus' power in this story continue even though he's not anywhere near. He's gone. But his power and presence remain. So, so Peter and John, they, they walk by that day. And certainly this man would have been, would have been sitting against the gate or, or sitting somewhere with his head, eyes buried in the ground in front of him, shamefully not wanting to look people in the eyes. So he sees four feet about to walk by. He asks, do you, do you have anything to spare? Do you have any money? Do you, do you have any coins? Is there any way you can help me out today looking at the ground? And Peter says, hey, hey, eyes up here. Look up here. Look, look right here. Looks up and what that probably meant was, oh yeah, they're about to throw me some money. He just, he just said, look at me. He's going he's gonna to give me some money. And what Peter says was probably disappointing at first. He looks at him, 
Peter says, I ain't got no money. You see, our, our last boss or our last leader, he didn't even have a place to sleep at night. The foxes had holes and the birds of the air had nests. But this guy slept on a rock. He slept in a boat. He basically crashed on his buddy's house his entire adult life. And so the beggar's probably saying, oh, no, you're bums too. <laughs> no, no, no. We just, we just don't have a whole lot of money. But I do have something. And that what I do have, I give you. Hold up, though. The, the, biggest, the biggest phrase in this text of the story is this. I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He says, come here, old boy. Let me see your hand. Bends down, takes his hand, picks him up off the floor. And for the first time in his life, it was like this. Oh, whoa. What's going on here? Are you serious right now? I can walk. I can walk. I can go to the temple. Are you serious? Guys, guys, like calling his other bum friends. Guys, look, look. I can walk. I'm going with them. I don't know who they are. They're broke just like I am, but I'm going to go with them. Okay? I see you. Woo! 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 Yes! Praise you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not being crazy. Okay, hold up. You, do, you go 40 years without walking and then walk again. Or not again, walk. The dude's never experienced it. Ankle bones strengthened. Knees strengthened. He's vigor and power in life. And he's just praising God all about it. Oh, it's an awesome story. <laughs> what does this teach us? What does this paragraph of scripture teach us today? Here's what it teaches us. Jesus is still working through his people to bring restoration to people. Jesus is still working through his people to bring restoration to other people. Jesus is still restoring people today. He may be in heaven seated by his father right now, but his presence and his power remain on earth. He's still in the business of restoring those who are broken. He is still fixing those who need mended. He is healing those who are sick. And he is still bringing things to life that are dead. Church, this should bring immense hope this morning. Jesus' physical body is gone. None of you have ever seen it. I haven't seen it. But his presence and his power are not. What's that mean? It means we're not left to do ministry and be on mission in our own name and in our own strength. He's still fueling the fire. Jesus is using people in this room right now to bring other people to Jesus. No, sit, think about that. Jesus is bringing or using you 
To see that restoration happens in the life of another person through soul change, through salvation in the name of Jesus. Jesus is still using people in this room to help restore marriages. Oh, he is. Jesus is using people in this room to help broken relationships. Jesus is still using people to care for the physical ailments of others. Jesus is still using people to fix broken people. You see, Jesus may not be on earth physically, but he has left his spirit on earth to reside in those of whom trust in him. And it's through those people that Jesus is still powerfully working. Do you believe that? What, what I love so much about the story is that Peter and John didn't live wondering whether or not they had God's presence and power in their hearts. They didn't stop at this beggar and, and say, hold up, man, I don't know if I can do this. Let me just pray and ask God to do this for us real quick. No, he acted. Why? Because he believed that God's power and presence was inside of him. There's no need. Hold up. Christians, there's no need to pray for that which you already have. You already have it. You can't just go around and help someone walk who's never walked before and no one take notice, right? No, people took notice. They were astounded. They were amazed and they wanted answers. Look at verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, he he, he couldn't let them go. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why looks ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or our own holiness we made this man to walk? No, what not? You see the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. It's a touchy subject here, by the way. Jesus is a touchy subject. Whom you delivered up. Whom you denied him in the presence of Pilate. When he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. And you desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life. Whom God hath raised from the dead. Whereof we are witnesses of that. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The second thing we're going to look at this morning is restoration comes only through faith in the name of Jesus. Peter made clear to the crowd that they themselves did not heal the man. Peter, Peter, can you imagine? This just happened. You've got a crowd of people around you. And this, this dude that just learned how to walk is now no longer using his walking functions because he can't let go of you. And they're just going to pray. And people's heads are turning. 
and eyes are on them. They are fixed on them. They are wanting to know how in the world this happened. This happens later in the book of Acts. Even more blasphemously than it does here. As Paul is attributed to being, being a god or something. But here these people are, are at awe and wonder at what Peter and John had just caused to happen in this man's life. And Peter makes it clear. No, 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 no. Stop looking at us. It's not us. We didn't do anything. No, 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 you don't understand. It's not by my power. It's not by my holiness. No. No, but I I will tell you how it did happen. If you'll listen. The God of our fathers. That would have perked their ears up. Okay, God's in this. The God of Abraham. Good, good. The God of Isaac. Yes. The God of Jacob. Ah, yes. Okay. Now we're getting answers. Hath glorified his son Jesus. Ooh. Ooh. Awkward. Now you have to stay and listen. You made it this far. You have to stay and listen. Did you notice the first thing he, that, that, (laughs) the first thing that Peter didn't tell them was, he didn't say this. Guys, Jesus loves you and he'll do the same for you. Jesus cares for you. He'll do the same for you if you'll just respond to him. No, 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 no. What did he say? God's glorified his son, Jesus, whom you've denied. No, you didn't just deny him. You delivered him over. You arrested him. You and your, you and your leaders, you and your Fathers in the faith, you've arrested him. And not only did you arrest him, you, you turned him over to Pilate. Of all people, he was, he was one of yours. He's one of your blood still. You've turned him over. Not only that, he goes a step further. You didn't just turn him over. When Pilate would have released him, you said, no, kill him. No, Pilate saw nothing wrong in Jesus. He was an innocent man. Pilate said, I'm going to let him go. No, don't let him go. Don't you dare let him go. We'll take a murderer. You keep him and you kill him. But then here's here's the knell in the coffin to these people. He says, you didn't just deliver him to Pilate. You just deny him. No, you killed him. You killed him. No, it wasn't. I didn't put the nails in his hands. I, I, I didn't stick the... Spirit and say, I didn't, no, 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 no. If you were part of the rejection, if you were part of the calling out for his murder, you killed him. Can I remind you something this morning, though? We killed him. We killed him. I was a counselor at a summer um, uh, camp in 2014 called T-Bar-M Christian camp. It was a sports camp. And every Thursday night for the, the grades that, that I had, it was like first through sixth grade uh, at this camp. And, and every Thursday night they would do this gospel presentation. It, w- it would start with uh, his arrest and then, and then Pilate coming out and, and saying, what do you want us to do with him? And, and us, oh, goodness, us counselors, the kids are all there. We're fourth, first through sixth graders are all there. And, and the counselors 
When Pilate would ask us, he would say, what do you want us to do with Jesus? The counselors were instructed to say, crucify him, crucify him. And, and some of the really pious religious gas bags of the camp would say, I would never do that. Not me. I would never do that. No, we, we did that. That's us. We killed the Prince of Life. What are you talking about? I wasn't there. Oh no, your sin was very much present on the cross when he died. He says, you killed him. You murdered him. But then he goes on and he gives us some hope. What about this Jesus? This one that they've killed. Well, it was this Jesus and faith in this Jesus and faith in the powerful name of Jesus that brought about healing in this beggar's life. This Jesus. Did you notice when Peter grabs him by the hand, this beggar's not responding to Peter. Peter wouldn't say, hey, buddy, let me help you up. No, no, no. He said, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to give you something. Take my hand. If he didn't believe in the name of Jesus, he would not have taken this man's hand. It was by faith in the name of Jesus that he, by faith, reached out, grabbed Peter's hand, and received the restoration that God had for him. Okay. What is this text teaching us? It's teaching us this. Change, healing, and and restoration is a work of Jesus. And not man. We cannot change or fix ourselves. There is no such thing as turning over a new leaf on January 1. Been there, done that, didn't work. No, you can't change yourself. You can't fix yourself. You can't repair all the pieces and put them back together in your life. It's not possible. So stop trying. Right? Stop trying. No man, no spiritual leader, no pastor, no godly friend, no family member who means well can mend and fix our greatest needs. Jesus can. So is your faith in Jesus this morning? Are you leaning on him? Are you trusting in him? Only Jesus can save your soul from an eternity apart from God. Only Jesus can restore our broken hearts. Hearts that have been punished, beat up, and torn from our own mistakes and the pain that has been afflicted on us by others. Only Jesus can restore that heart. Only Jesus can restore trust for someone who has been broken and burned by someone else. Only Jesus can put back together the pieces of a failing marriage or a family that is fractured. Only Jesus. Only Jesus Jesus can give us the courage and the boldness and the help to make a difference in someone else's life. If we go out of these walls and we try to fulfill the mission, this mission right here, in our own strength and in our own power, we're going to fall flat on our faces. 
You can hand out, let's come to church, uh, cards or, or, or whatever they say, the beautiful designs, great job, Eli, or the, the gospel tracts that are over here. You can hand them out all day long. But in your own strength, they'll be just like handing out another piece of paper. No, no, no. We need the power of Jesus behind what we do. Hey, i got a question for you. We have a catchy mission statement, do we not? But are we ourselves a Jesus people? Now think about that for a minute. We have a catchy statement. We have a catchy mission. And I believe in it. But it means nothing if we're not a Jesus people ourselves. Are we a people who are living for him and finding our wholeness in him? After Peter explained the man's restoration that didn't come from him, but Jesus, he then called the crowd to respond. We are being called to respond this morning as well. Look at verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he is so fulfilled. Here's the response call. Repent ye therefore. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Moses wasn't talking about Joshua. Moses wasn't saying, no, God's going to raise up Joshua. He's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. Him shall you hear. Verse 23, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Let me read that last statement one more time. God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent Jesus to bless you. How so? How are we blessed by Jesus in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. The last thing we see this morning is that blessings are received when we repent and trust in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
The gospel of grace is in this text. What do I mean by that? The Israelites were not too far gone for Jesus to save. Have you already moved ahead? Think what he just told them. You denied him. You delivered him. You refused him. You didn't want him. You wanted to murder him. You killed him. Oh, but if you'll repent. These guys didn't deserve Jesus. They're the ones that killed him. But Peter's saying this. It doesn't matter what you did. You're not too far gone. Jesus can still save you. Can can I tell you something this morning? Church, members, visitors, guests alike. You are not too far from God. You are not too far gone. There is nothing that you have said, thought, or done that will put you outside of the reach of Christ. You see, people always think, I've got to clean myself up before I come to God. That is not true. You don't got to be presentable before you stand before God, before you come to him. No. Peter's telling the people that killed God's son that they, out, that they aren't out of God's reach. And if they aren't out of God's reach, it doesn't matter what you've done this morning. You're not out of God's reach. That is the gospel of grace. Brokenness this morning repaired is available to you in the name of Jesus. The pain at the depths of your heart can be healed by the power of Jesus. You are not out of his reach this morning, friend. You're not out of reach. So how did Peter call them to respond to Jesus? How did he call them to respond to Jesus being the cause of this man's restoration? How did he call them to respond? He said this, repent. Repent. What's it mean to repent? I'll tell you what it means to repent just the other day. David said something to me that I didn't like. And so I was going to leave my office and walk down to his and give him a piece of my mind. But I decided not to because he's bigger than I am. So I turned around and went back to my office. Okay, that didn't actually happen. That didn't actually happen. That's the idea of repent, right? The idea of repent is, is you're going one way and then you turn around and go the opposite way. Right? It's when you're on a walk with your family. And you're walking and you got the stroller and the kid's over here and the wife's over here. And you see a big dog. It's like, no, I'm good. You go the other way. Hey, by the way, we, it's like a third world country over here, man. We got dogs everywhere. You can't walk on our neighborhood. It's repenting. It's, it's turning back. Repentance is receiving a text message from Sid Prater yesterday. This got OU decals all over it. And when I see that they lost last night, texting a really mean, sarcastic text, and then not pushing send. (laughs) Praying for you, brother. That's repentance. Turning back, deciding to go the other way. So, so, So what is Peter calling them to do? Here's what he's calling them today to do. You've rejected him. You've rejected him. You've denied him. But if you want what this man has, this restoration that he has, go from rejecting to accepting him. 
You've sworn your allegiance against him. Repent and swear your allegiance to him. Repent. Be converted. Turn to Jesus. And here's an amazing promise of scripture. In John 1, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Do you want to be a child of God this morning? Receive Jesus. Stop rejecting him. And start accepting him. Repentance. So what would happen if they repented? Number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. He says, if you repent and turn back, Jesus will wipe away all of your sins. What else? They would get rest. They would receive, they would experience refreshment in their soul. The times of refreshment that come from the presence of Jesus, they would receive rest. What does this word refreshment mean? It's only used one time in the Greek New Testament. This one word. I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try, but I know it's only used once. And here's the idea of refreshment. It's a cool breeze blowing on a hot summer day. It's a tall glass of iced tea when it's 109 outside. Refreshment. It's when you've been working all day in the sun, doing yard work or for your job and you walk into the office or your home and that AC hits you in the face. Refreshment. He says, you won't, you won't just receive forgiveness, you're going to be refreshed. Thirdly, they would have the assurance of the hope of the second coming of the Messiah. You see, Jesus is in heaven right now, friend, but someday he will return to this earth and restore all things. We always talk, I want to go to heaven. I can't wait for heaven. Bless God, it's going to be a great day when I'm in heaven. Well, friends, stop saying that because we're not going to be there forever. He's coming here. He's going to build something new here. We're going to reign with him here. Oh, the assurance for all things being restored. Being wholly human once again. Being wholly harmoniously in sync with our beloved Father and Lord once again. They would have that assurance. So how is God calling us to respond this morning? How is God calling you to respond this morning? He's calling us to repent. And trust in the powerful name of Jesus. Do you need forgiveness this morning? Are you weighed down by sin that has followed you and plagued you your entire life? Do actions against God and against others still haunt you? You see, just like the man in the beginning of the story, we've all been crippled since birth. I'm not talking about paralysis. But just like the man in the beginning of the story, once all things were perfect, And because of sin, all things were broken. And that brokenness didn't just stop at Adam and Eve or Cain and Abel and Seth. No, 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 no. That brokenness continues today in the hearts and lives of people today. You see, David said in Psalm 51, At birth, behold, I was conceived in sin. I was born a sinner. Cutest baby in that nursery. Guess what? They've got a sin nature living right here. They're cute, they're perfect now, but they're going to grow up and they're going to be vile, wicked humans, just like every single one of us are. 
We all lie. We all do everything we can to save face. Right? Come on, be honest with me this morning. We all deceive. We all lust after things that we don't need and God doesn't intend for us to have. We all hurt others. We all need forgiveness. That's our greatest need. Forgiveness will come only when we turn to Jesus. Second question, are you tired this morning? I'm not just talking about because your two-year-old kept you up last night. Are you worn out? Do you need to be refreshed with so much that goes on in our lives? Sickness, pain, disease, heartbreak, confusion, general unrest from what's going on in the world at large. We need rest. We need refreshment. But rest will only come when we turn to Jesus. Lastly, do you need hope this morning? Everything in your life is bleak. Nothing ever seems to go right. There's always some sort of adversity in your way. Can I tell you something this morning? There's hope in the name of Jesus. It won't always be like this. Romans 8 talks about how the world is groaning. Creation is groaning. People are groaning for something new, for restoration, for hope. And that hope is only found in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. If you need forgiveness this morning, repent and turn to Jesus. Christian, that's not just for the non-Christian in here. No, 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 no. If you don't know Jesus, please come talk to somebody this morning. Repent. Turn to Jesus this morning. He'll forgive you. He'll refresh you. He'll give you hope. But it's not just for the Christian or for the non-Christian. It's for you, Christian. We're not perfect still. We're still failing. Every single day we do that which we don't want to do, namely sin against our Lord. Repent this morning. Oh, Christian, do you need rest? Do you remember the rest you first received when you trusted in his name? You can have that rest every day. How? By trusting in his name. I meant to say this earlier. Do you know the name of Jesus? There's nothing like special about literally the name Jesus. There's people all over the world that are named Jesus. But it is a special name. When we're talking about this person... When we're talking about this person, the name of Jesus is above all names. When we're talking about this person, see, the name of Jesus isn't just his name. It's his person. It's who he is. In the prayer series, Father, Father, hallowed be your name. We don't just praise the name of God to praise the name of God. We don't just lift his name to lift his name. No, it represents who he is. The name Jesus, it represents who he is. Gracious, loving, merciful. The one who died for us. The one who rose for us. The one who is right now sitting by the Father praying for you. He's praying for you. He's saying this. Oh, Father, help him repent this morning. Father, send your spirit to give him refreshing this morning. Father, he is praying for you constantly. Christian, you need rest. Non-Christian, you need rest. And we need hope. God forbid that we be a people who just like the rest of the world have our heads buried in CNN 
and Fox and whatever news outlet we take in, God forbid we get our heads out of that and get our eyes on him. You keep your eyes on that stuff. You're going to be hopeless until eternity comes. Every day is going to be full of pain, anxiety, and worry. But if you get your face out of the tablet or your face off the TV screen and you get your eyes to Jesus. Oh, mercy. Hope comes. I'm not saying don't know what's going on. Don't misunderstand me, please. But that can't be where our eyes are primarily fixed. We need hope in this fallen world. And hope only comes in the name of Jesus. So I want to leave you with this several thoughts. Number one, the name of Jesus, it, it invokes, it evokes a response out of us. Respond to him this morning in some way. Whether you need to know him as your savior or you're a Christian that's off the path, respond. Number two, you can experience the restoration that only God can give through faith in the name of Jesus. Number three, you can experience wholeness that only God can give through repentance and faith in Christ. And lastly, your life can't be made whole by anything that any other person on this planet can do or anything you can do for that matter. Our lives can only be salvaged. Our lives can only be healed through the power of Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning?